The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up, and the report of this spread throughout that district. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are few places as fraught growing up as a middle school cafeteria. When I started middle school, I had just moved into a new school district, and luckily I fell in with a group of friends who were pretty popular, no thanks to me, and cooler than me too. And I was grateful to be taken in by them. And we always sat in the same place in the cafeteria together. And then one day at lunchtime, I was the last to arrive. And when I sat down, as soon as my tray hit the table, everyone else in the group got up and moved away. And left me sitting there by myself. With no explanation, I never found out why. But they had collectively decided that this would be the end of our friendship in one very public moment. Eventually, fortunately, another group started to sit with me and welcomed me into their group, and we remained friends through the rest of school. And I have never forgotten that kindness, that mercy. Meals mean a lot. Who we sit with who is invited or not, who is included, where we gather, what we eat, how we eat. Meals are a microcosm of our lives. And this was all the more so in Jesus' time in first century Palestine. Meals really mattered. One scholar explains, Meals express patterns of social relations. In the ancient world, meal customs reflected and reinforced hierarchical order, social relation and status through invitations, different qualities and quantities of food, types of tableware and eating utensils, and seating order. 
All of this conveyed a message about different degrees of hierarchy, inclusion and exclusion, boundaries and transactions across the boundaries. And that is why the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are questioning Jesus. He and the disciples were sitting and eating with tax collectors, including Matthew, and people that were deemed to be sinners. By eating together with them, he was breaking the social order, transgressing the accepted cultural and religious boundaries that had been established. The Pharisees thought that since Jesus was a teacher, he should know better. But Jesus, being a very different kind of teacher altogether, knew exactly what he was doing. He tells them, borrowing a line from our first reading in Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The point being that the mercy of God extended to humanity in Christ himself takes precedence over everything else. I desire mercy. That same scholar says, Jesus welcomes to meals despised people marginalized by other groups, whether by occupation, gender, religious non-observance, socioeconomic status, actions, and so on. Jesus forms an open, alternative, inclusive community, not constituted by conventional status markers like ethnicity or wealth and gender hierarchies, but centered on himself as the agent of God's empire. What the Pharisees did not understand was that God's will centers not on religious judgments and the rules that follow, but on God's mercy and steadfast love. When I look back on that rejection in the school cafeteria, I actually count myself lucky. Not for what happened, because it really hurt at the time, but because there were so few times in my life that I was rejected that I can actually remember it. For a kid who feared rejection and tried to blend in under the cover of sameness, I didn't get much of it. I was lucky. But the people with whom Jesus ate experienced rejection on a daily basis. They were rejected by their religious leaders, often by their neighbors and even their families, all because they didn't blend in. They weren't the same, often for things that were beyond their control, whether it was the tax collectors who were despised because they worked on behalf of the empire or a woman who suffered with a hemorrhage for 12 years. This woman in her sickness would have been rejected and shunned, physically sick and therefore deemed religiously unclean. She, nor any woman, would have been allowed to touch Jesus' body. And so she did the next best thing, which was to touch the hem of his garment, believing that if she could reach it, she could be healed by that alone. And she was. We hear the story of this leader of the synagogue, a father desperate to save his dead daughter, who transgressed the customs of the time to come and ask Jesus for help while his colleagues were asking Jesus, why is he sitting with these people? And then Jesus comes to his home and brings his daughter back to life and restores her to her family. Jesus ate with and called and befriended and healed the rejected. And in the process, Jesus took on their scorn. He himself became rejected for mercy's sake all the way to the cross. And there are people today for whom rejection is a regular daily occurrence. People who are different or fall outside a given norm. 
And so as a church, we say that we celebrate and welcome all people with varied race, ethnicity, culture, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, relationship status, age, immigration status, nationality, neurodiversity, ability, language, economic circumstance, or family configuration. Sounds a lot like the people that Jesus was hanging out with. And we say this so that those people and others for whom religion has been a barrier or used as a bludgeon know that God loves them, and so do we, that they too are welcome here and welcome at God's table. For someone who knows the pain of rejection, particularly in the name of religion, this means so much. And it says in its own way that we, along with Jesus, desire mercy. Mercy is not a word that we use very often. I had to look up the definition, which is compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power, a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion, lenient or compassion treatment of those in distress. There is far too little mercy in our world today. As a culture, we are consumed with being right But instead, we should be more occupied with practicing mercy, the compassionate treatment of others, especially those in distress, those from whom we are different and with whom we differ. Mercy. Last week, for the beginning of Pride Month, I and about eight of our members and one dog uh, attended the Pride flag raising at Upper Dublin High School, and it was a really nice event, and I was proud that we were there as a group to support it. And I was even happier that we took the time to be there when I looked across the street and saw that there were a couple of protesters, and they were holding signs that said, Jesus, no greater love. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As we said amongst ourselves, we all agreed with those signs, but not about the ways that those scriptures were being deployed and the message it was sending to the kids there in our midst. And what if that was the only thing that those kids knew about what religion had to say about them or Christianity or Jesus himself? Jesus, no greater love except for you. We offered a different witness with our presence, our smiles, and our shirts that said, this pastor loves you, or God's love is unconditional, or love wins, or be you. And I think we erred on the side of mercy and love, and I would rather take the chance of being on that side of the street and leave the rest in God's hands. How do we live into this way of mercy? Well, that's why we're here. Every time we gather for communion on Sundays, we enact this different way of eating together and being the kind of community that Jesus established. Here at Communion, we say that all people are welcome regardless of their tradition, denomination, what's brought them here today. We all come to the table with open hands. We take turns serving each other. We all get the same amount of bread and drink, and we don't stop until everyone has received. And we each hear the words, this is for you. Communion even to a pastor at times, can feel repetitious. But each time we share communion, we practice what Jesus did in our gospel. 
And the same goes when we serve at Chosen 300 or collect for the food pantry, when we share potlucks together, when we show up for others in ways that communicate God's love. We're practicing mercy. And these moments become tables of grace, tables of mercy that nourish more than our stomachs. They nourish our souls. They teach our hearts about the love and the mercy of God. And they make a love-spreading difference in the world. They show people the heart of God. We already know, we already know what to do in the world because we do it every Sunday here. We can take what happens at this table and we can take that to every table where we gather, to every place that we go and to every encounter that we have. In a world that is so desperate to be right, in a world filled with rejection and pitched sides, we can say with Jesus, we too desire mercy and practice that compassion for the sake of the world that desperately needs it. Amen.